the Advisor Inner Circle Podcast. I'm your host, Steve Gordon. I'm here today with my co-host, John H. Curry. John, welcome. Good to see you. Good to see you, Steve. Good morning. Good morning. Long time no see. It's been about, what, an hour and a half <laughs> since we left breakfast. Yes. Um, and I want to cover something today that you mentioned while we were uh, meeting earlier. You, you said something, um, and I want to make sure I get it right, but I think it's important for everyone to hear. You said, I'll fight for you and I'll fight with you. And the context of that was in conversations that you're having with clients, with, I know with compliance uh, came up um, and, uh, you know, and I know you use it in a lot of different areas of life, but, but all around the idea of, of advocating for the person. So tell us about that, that kind of thinking, that, that philosophy that you have. Okay. Well, since we talked about it last, I, um, this morning, let me tell you where the, the context of it. The reason it came up, came about is because sometimes I find myself very uncomfortable in a client meeting. So I suppose you and I are sitting across the table. I've asked you to do something or not do something and you're getting agitated and I can sense you're upset with me either because of your body language or something you've said. So I realized early on in my career, I had to find some way to diffuse that. So what I came up with, you know, Steve, in my world, I'll fight for you, but I'll also fight with you if I need to. And that always starts a conversation. What do you mean by that? Well, I'll fight for you in the sense that I will do my very best for you to help you because I always want to do the right thing to help my clients because that, that's my herd protecting my herd or my flock. However, there are times, and this might be one of those times, where I may have to fight with you in order to better serve you. So that's the context of it. And then in a client interview, an actual interview, so if somebody says, um, they say something I know is not accurate, but yet they have a strong defense posture on it, then I will say, look, this is one of those times where you know, I'm going to have to uh, fight for you by fighting with you. And it's powerful, you know, but you got to have purity of intent. If you're using it as a sales gimmick, forget about it, it won't work. But if you truly believe that there are times that you have the right to fight with someone in order to protect them, then go for it. Uh, but I will tell you just before we got on this call, I had a meeting with my CPA. We were talking about some stuff, and she got a little defensive. I said, just keep what you got then. It's okay. No problem. But when you're ready, let me know. You know, I said, she said, that's an example where you have heard you say fighting with me or fighting for me. I said, that's correct. So I want to fight for you, but if I have to fight with you to get there, I'm perfectly willing to, as long as you want me. Now, the day you don't want me, just tell me and I'll disappear. And if you have enough people in your pipeline where you don't need everybody to meet, you don't have to beg them for their business, you can walk away with, with, a, with a good conscience. So this ties into a lot of things that, that you and I have been talking about and, and working on lately. So you mentioned purity of intent. Um, real quickly, explain that to everybody that's listening in case they haven't heard us talk about it before. For me, it's real simple. Why are you doing what you're doing? And if you don't have purity of intent, if you're trying to hurt someone, then you're, you're worse than a crook because I expect a crook to steal my money, but I don't expect somebody who holds himself out of professional to hurt me. Well, I, I don't even think if it, 
if, if it's a kind of an intentional thing, I, I think some people will do it not intentionally saying I want to hurt this person, but they want to make the sale so badly that, uh, you know, that sometimes that takes precedence over truly what's in the interest of the client. I get that. And that's why we had the department of labor coming out and everybody is oh, state government saying we've got to have, you know, what's in the best interest of the client rule, which I, over the years I just thought it was kind of hilarious because you should always be taking care of your client. And so what's in our mutual best interest, because I love you. You're my client. I'm your client. But, it, but if you made it onerous for me to do business, I just don't say, Steve, take care of yourself. Sure. And so it's got to be mutually beneficial, mutually in our best interest. Absolutely. Okay. So I wanted to, to make sure we touched on that because you mentioned it. The other idea that this ties into that you and I have been working on a lot, which is something that we learned from, uh, from our coach, Dan Sullivan, is the idea of cash confidence. Yes. And I think, I think it's easier. Doesn't mean you shouldn't do it when it's not easy, but I think it's easier when you have the mindset that you're cash confident to fight with your client in their interest. No doubt about it. So let's talk about that from the standpoint of what happened early in my career, because I've been doing this since 1975, September 13, 1975. Well, when I started ahead of me. In fact, in 1970, I had two cars repossessed the same day. Okay. Even though I had a big chunk of money coming and the bank said, okay, we'll work with you. They demanded I have one car ready, promised me they would take the other until I paid them. And they followed me and took the second car. So understand about being cash uh, unconfident, if you will, okay, because didn't have any cash. So I perfectly understand that. So how do you apply this when you don't have cash or when you're in debt or when you're worried about making your bills, paying your bills? Because most people in any type of sales arena have found themselves there in one way or another. It's just a matter of is it personal or the business. So I think the way you fix that, is, is you just work on your head. You simply have a belief system that says, I know that if I see enough people, enough of those people would do business with me that I will have cash on command, which is another way I look at it. I know that's not the way Dan presents, but I look at it. If I have the ability to sell, I can pretty much create cash on demand or command when I need it or want it. I see you're smiling. What do you think in there? I just, I, I, I love that that phrase cash on command. I love that idea. I do too. <laughs> so all we have to do truly, if we're in the sales arena is get off our butts and go do it. I, a young, young man this morning, I was at uh, the gym. I was doing some strength training this morning and uh, he asked me to teach him how to use kettlebells because he did not do it. So I'll show him. And we have talking about his job. I said, are you still working at this particular employer? He said, I am, but I got out of the parts department. I'm in sales. I said, great. Congratulations. He said, but it's scary. I said, of course it's scary because now you have to depend upon your abilities, but it's also empowering because if you will, if you'll buy into this confidence factor that as long as you take care of your customers, you'll get your share of the business. And I said, and the nice thing about sales, it's not to look in the mirror in the morning and say, John Curry, you handsome devil, you deserve a pay raise today. I don't have to go beg for a pay raise. All I got to do is see enough people who want what I have or need what I have, show them that it fits, and they go, let's do it. Cash on command. 
That's awesome. So you, you went, you've gone through this with clients. I know you were relaying to me some, some situations just this week where it's come up this idea of I'll, I'll fight for you and I'll fight with you. Uh, and, and you've also kind of used that same line of thinking with, with compliance. Talk, talk us through that. Well, let's talk about compliance. Cause I think some people listening to us see compliance as being their enemy. Compliance is not our enemy. Compliance is there to, to keep us out of trouble with the securities regulators, both state and federal. So the way I look at compliance is they've got a job to do. And what I was relating to, to you this morning is a situation where I had two situations where compliance was saying no. Uh, one much lengthy conversation uh, over the course of several days and long story short, they said, you can't do it. We're not going to allow that transaction. I said, okay, I don't agree with you, but I get your point. I respect it. I said, I'll call my client, let her know, and I'm going to share with her your email so she knows exactly why we can't do it. And the lady on the phone, Kavansa, she said, wait, you're going to actually share that with the client? I said, of course, why wouldn't I? I said, if you, see, this is where, and I brought it up, see, now you're making me fight for my client but I'm having to fight with you in order to do what's right for my client. I think this is the right thing to do. The client thinks so. She thought so much so she even wrote a note and signed it. That I get it. I get what you're worried about because of the that account having a surrender charge. I get it. I respect that. I don't have to agree though. And, that's, and I told her, I said, that's my way I explain to clients. I'll fight for you. I'll fight with you. And then Wednesday, she called me on another case. She said, I need your help. I need your help in presenting this to my supervisor because we don't think there's a fit. Can you help me? I said, oh, so we're gonna, so now we're back into this thing about I'll fight for you and I'll fight with you. She said, yes. And she said, I need you to educate me on how these products work. So it did. And we've gone through this several times when you know, we have somebody new looking at something, but the key is don't treat them as your enemy I even told her, I said, I love the way you handle this. I love you. Yeah, we're on the same team. Uh, we're not going to agree every time. Let's, let's just do what we got to do. Can I, share an can I share an observation? Of course. So, uh, as you know, I work with lots of folks in your business. And um, I, I think that it's not a coincidence that you're the only professional I know that approaches the relationship with compliance the way that you do. And you're, you're also the one who is the most successful at getting them to say yes to what you want to do, whether it's marketing or as in this case with transactions or whatever it is, I've never seen anyone as successful. Normally the approach is the advisor is going to go to war with compliance. And I've never seen that turn out well. And I've even tried to coach some of the, the folks we've worked with, like, well, maybe this isn't the best approach. Let me tell you how my buddy does it. And he's, he's pretty successful at it. Um, and, and I think, I just think it's the wrong way to go about it on, on all levels. Um, and I love the way that you put it, that, that they're, they exist to keep you out of jail. Yes. Or paying a big fine. Yeah, or or doing something stupid that could cost me a client later. But, but let's address what you're saying. I'm, first of all, it's a shame that people have that mindset that they're at war, because I I've had a couple of situations years ago 
20 years ago, at least 20 years ago, where there have been three occasions where I spent my own money, got on a plane, flew to New York City to challenge compliance on something. And I, I called ahead of time, of course, I had an appointment book, but I flew up. On two of those three occasions, uh, two different people in charge of compliance at the time, they said, well, what meeting are you here for? You, and in both cases, they said, excuse me, you flew here just to, for this meeting with me? I did, because it was that important. And in both cases, those two cases, the person, in, the vice president in charge of that, refunded my money. So give me all your receipts, uh, and we're going we're gonna to cover that because it was, you know, you did the right thing. And, and one of them was so silly. Uh, it was an audio CD and the compliance person was insisting that on every track at the end of the track that I have the Park Avenue Securities disclaimer, you know, financial representative, et cetera. And I said, I'm not doing that. That's ridiculous. The disclaimer comes at the end or at the beginning, but certainly not every five minutes of the CD you're interrupted by that. And she says, well, I'm not approving. That's okay. Thank you. That was on a Friday. So I picked up my phone and I called the head of uh, the, the vice president of compliance, top guy, got him on a cell phone. I said, can I come see you? He said, when? I said, how about Monday? He said, are you in town? I said, I will be. So Sunday, I got my boat on a plane. At short notice, it was rather expensive to fly from Tallahassee to New York. Got myself a room near the uh, home office, spent the night. Went in to see him, and he said, how can I help you? And I said, I'd like you to listen to the CD. He listened to it. He said, it's beautiful. What's wrong with it? I said, nothing. However, your person wants me to add at every track this disclosure. He said, that'd be stupid. I said, well, you just called your person stupid. I said, you didn't call her stupid, but you called her decision stupid. So we might want to chat with her. So he called her in. We met. We never met face-to-face. We had a nice visit. And she said, am I in trouble? I said, not at all. I said, we, we just need to have a, a discussion eyeball to eyeball so I know what to do going forward. So we talked about it. We spent about 30 minutes talking. And from then on, she might question something because of a legal issue or a wording issue. But the, the key, Steve, is, look, all of us in this business, we know right from wrong. Put yourself in the position of the compliance officer. I will literally, when April and I are creating stuff, I will literally go from one side of the table to the other, sit in a different chair, and say, now I got on my compliance hat. Go back to the other chair, now I got on my salesman hat. Don't do something if you know it's dumb and shouldn't be done. But people do that. They do it. If you know it's not appropriate, don't do it. Well, and, and I don't even think that that's the problem most of the time. In likeness, because I will tell you, when you said that, I'm, I'm, I'm sitting here flabbergasted that that many people out there that you deal with have trouble with compliance. Oh, There's yeah. Human beings just like us, just treat them with respect and understand that if you were in that job, you'd be doing the same damn thing. Well, I, I, I know we've kind of gone down a rabbit hole, but I think it's an important one. Here's what I see. I, I see advisors who aren't doing anything that would harm anyone. But they're, they're sending stuff up to a compliance person who's got to review it. And I, I, I can only imagine what it's like. I mean, they're, they're getting stuff from people throughout the company. They're, you know, if they don't have a relationship with the person and haven't built trust with that FR, then now it's, you know, 
their assumption is I can't let them do this because I don't know them. I don't trust them. Um, and, and I don't know that, that they're, you know, not going to kind of go off script and get us all in trouble. So it's their job to kind of do that. And to make it even harder, they're looking at, let's say you send a marketing campaign up, you've spent weeks with it, maybe months with it in your head, working it out, getting it all put together. They're getting it. And it's, it's like looking in at the Super Bowl through a keyhole and trying to figure out what's going on. Right. And who's winning. Right. And, uh, and, and so it's, I think it's a very difficult thing for them to be able to do first of all, but then the approach that the advisor takes to that when they get pushback or questions as they get, you know, they stomp the ground and, and get all defensive and all of this. And, and I, I think the answer to it is exactly what you did have the guts to get on a plane and go up there and create a relationship and talk it through or get on the phone or get on a zoom call, create right. a relationship, talk it through, reason it out hear truly hear them and what their concerns are and then figure out a way that the concerns can be addressed and still do what you want to do. I agree, Steve. And I think part of the, the reason that we're successful is we don't just send that information to them. We will send an email or handwritten note explaining what we're doing and why. We don't just say, here's this piece of proof. We let them know how we're going to be using it. I'm looking at a sign that a local bank, Prime Meridian Bank, you'll see this on all their uh, employees' desks and the counters. I have one here on my uh, table. It says, let's think of a few good reasons why it can be done. And the word can is in all capital letters. So sometimes I have to uh, invoke that. I say, wait a minute, your, your, your knee-jerk reaction is to say no. Why don't we, and I, with clients, I just point to the sign. Let's think of a few good reasons why it can be done. What am I not doing properly? If I'm doing something improper, tell me. And, and sometimes, uh, sometimes I don't agree. I mean, I, I was told one time flat out I could not use the phrase financial peace of mind. I said, you're kidding. You do realize that on the front cover of our annual report two years ago, it was on the front cover. And this was like several years ago. And I said, yeah, we understand, but the regulators changed their mind back and forth from things, and they don't like uh, using financial peace of mind. I said, isn't that what life insurance does? It gives you financial peace of mind, disability insurance, long-term care, annuities, pensions, Social Security. If that's not financial peace of mind, I don't know what hell it is. But you can't do it. And then they made me get rid of the word free and use the word complimentary. Complimentary is like 13 letters. Free is five letters. Four letters. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's something counting. But I think complimentary. And they mean the same thing, by the way. They do. So, so there have been some things that I have lost the battle on, and there have been some things I just said, you know what the hell, it's not worth fighting for, let it go, let it go. But if there's something I really believe in, then I call them, I call them personally. I don't do this email stuff, you know, at some point I'll pick up the telephone and say, let's talk, let's have a conversation. I'm a real person, are you? I mean, all I'm seeing are emails, that could be, it, it could be a robot, let's just, let's just talk. I, you, you, the common thing with me, and you've heard this over and over all the years with each other, let's have a conversation. At the end of the conversation, we'll either agree to agree or we will agree to disagree. And it's okay. And I, I'm going to invoke a quote from our, our, our uh, past president of Guardian who passed away. He had a quote. I love, he said, it's okay to disagree. It is not okay to be disagreeable. And I love that. 
you know, that's just, I had another client yesterday. She came in with her mind made up on something. Her son came in, the little two-year-old grandson, and and uh, I was able to hold him in my arms and have a good time. I love, I love grandbabies, you know, great grandbabies. And But I told her, I said, on, on this particular issue, I don't agree with you. And her son spoke up and said, I agree with John. I think you're making a mistake if you do that. And she said, well, it's my money. I said, absolutely, it's your money, and you have the right to do anything you want. You, know, you can you can go burn it. You, know, you can give it away. You can put it in the market and lose it. And I said, your, the account you've had with me since 1993 has served you well. There are some things I would do differently at this point in your life. We're the same age. I'll be 67 in December. She'll be 67 in November. And I said, but I would encourage you to go do your homework, get some more information from the people that are doing the job for you, and then come back and let's look at it from a rational standpoint. I said, but you're correct. If you want to close the account, we have the form handy. You can sign your name and take out all this money and pay tax on it. She said, well, I don't want to do any of that now. I said, okay. She said, but again, it was fighting with her a little bit. And then, you know, before she walked out the door, big old hug, peck on the cheek. And she said, I can't believe that my grandson let you pick him up and hold him like that. And, and I, I walk him to the door, front door, and I have the grandkid in my arms. Yeah. But he, he and I got along just fine. He has a little car playing on the floor. But, you know, you just, you just enjoy people and let it go wherever it goes. But again, because I have the cash confidence, I know we're going back to that again. I got money in the bank. Okay. I, my bills are paid. I know income's coming in from various sources. So I don't have any pressure to make a sale. Zero. None. And that is one powerful position to be in. Now, before I had enough cash, going back full circle, what I did is I had the belief system that if I got in front of someone and enough of the someones, that they would do business with me. So I didn't, I didn't feel like I had to make a sale. Yeah, I think that's important. And, and really, in all of this, you're, you're just taking the position that I'm going to advocate for the people that I care about. Mm-hmm. That's all that it is. And then having mm-hmm. the courage to actually do it. And that is, that's a fundamentally different mindset than I'm here to sell something. Correct. Well, I, I tell people, I'm, I'm proud of being sales. I don't hide the fact that I'm a sales and, and a damn good one. But the number one, a professional salespeople never sell something that's not appropriate. Con men do. But a pro doesn't do that. A pro would say, you know, see, this, I, I would love to sell you this. You say you want to buy this, but I don't think it's appropriate for you. May I show you why? And when you have the courage to do that, nine times out of ten, what are they going to do? Wow, thank you for that. How about maybe we put this money in it? You end up getting, I can't tell you many times, I've said, well, there's no business there. And next thing you know, they either refer me to someone or they come back in later with other money I didn't even know they had. I mean, just, I, I know I'm beating the hell out of this point, but just do what's right. And I, no, I, to, and it will come to you. I think it's, I think it's important. Um, and for those who aren't at a point where they feel like they have cash confidence, I think the antidote to that is, um, is simply activity. You see enough people, good things are going to happen when you approach it as an advocate for those people. 
Yes, my friend Bob Ball, creator of the Living Battle Sheet, says you should have a file of abundance. So if you have plenty of people that you have not gotten in front of yet because you're good at getting referrals, you're a master of that, and you've got a session on getting referrals. And by the way, I promise you folks will be doing that and again and again and again and again over time because uh, if you're not good at getting referrals or some other form of marketing, whether it be personal observation like I do, I'm not near as good at getting referrals now as I've been in the past. I don't get as many, I guess I should say. I'm still good at it, but I'm more selective in what I want. But uh, that is something where if you've not gotten Steve's book yet, you need to get it because he can help you with that big time. But, but, but you're correct. If you have a constant flow, let's just say you have a constant flow of people to talk with about your product or service, Steve, if you are half halfway decent in selling by presenting your story. If all you said was, this is what I would like you to consider, would you like to do it? Probably 30% to half of the people would say, yes, I want it. You don't have to be some super duper magnificent, you know, uh, silver tongue devil type salesman. You don't have to have all that nonsense. Couldn't agree more. Just be good at your story, share it with enough people and, and then repeat over and over. You know, don't we talked before about staying in your lane? You and I talked this morning. You helped me with something. Uh, I'm working on getting a, another book. Steve says, "Hey, there's two books there," and he was right. And so instead of doing one book, we'll knock out two of them. Probably haven't done before the end of the year. You're thinking, right? Oh yeah, we'll have them done before the end of the year. All right. What else you want to cover, my friend? I Man, I think that's it. I think this is a. A good message. I hope this was helpful to everyone. Um, I love that you have these mantras for, um, you know, for, for being able to sort of cue yourself and, and to, to remove that barrier. Cause I think most people, and I think that's the big takeaway in this is you got to get some way of breaking those walls that people will put up and, and just running at them and, and running head on isn't very effective. And that's what I see most people doing is they'll just, they'll continue to argue. And first you have to tear the wall down. And that's what you do with these, with these mantras that I'm calling them, you know, and, and you tear the wall down and you get them to open up and then you can deal with the issue. I wasn't aware that I had mantras, but I do like that. I, you know, I, do, I have a, a wizard. I'm looking at him right now and I gave you one. I have a wizard because I believe it's important to be the wizard. Uh, and uh, I think I shared on one of our podcasts, a uh, local business owner refers to me as being the retirement wizard. <laughs> and I, I said, well, I, I don't do retirement. I do secure retirement. Okay, so you're the secure retirement wizard. So we've been, ha we've been having fun with that. But I didn't realize that I had mantras. But I guess yeah. if you think it through, they are mantras. They, I mean, they're just things that you repeat in those situations. And I think... Um, to me, that makes it easier to do. You don't have to remember a million things. You've got to remember two or three. That's true. So That's true. Just a few things, and that's usually true of everything. You know, this big old heavy door here is only held up by three hinges. It's a very heavy door because it's solid. All my doors are solid because I want to be as soundproof as possible for clients. But those three little hinges, if one's not correct, guess what? The door won't close properly. Yep. That's it. Well, my friend... Uh, thanks for sharing these ideas. These are powerful. And uh, uh, before we go, any last thoughts? I've got one thought. And I and, uh, always have to say this. Folks, listen to this, please. Understand 
that anything and everything we share with you, you need to run it by your compliance department. Make sure it's good quality. Make sure that if you're using it, you've got to prove. And remember that compliance is your friend, they're not your enemy. Uh, you don't always agree with your friends. There are times that Steve and I don't agree on something, and we're, we're better than friends. We're like brothers. But um, try to look at it from both sides of the equation and just understand there's going to be times in the world we live in today you're going to get shut down. And just take a big old deep breath and say, next, and go find another client. That's all I've got, Steve. Thank you. Just remember, my friend, anytime we disagree, I'm right. Well, I knew you were going to say that, <laughs> but I, I respectfully disagree without being disagreeable. <laughs> there you go. All right, John, we'll talk soon. We'll see everybody in the next episode. And if this was helpful to you, send us a note. Uh, you can drop me a note at, uh, at Steve at unstoppableceo.net. I will get that over to John so he sees it as well. And share this with the folks that are uh, in your agency and that you work with. Uh, our goal here is to impact as many people as we can. And you are the vehicle that we impact people through because you're going to go out as an advisor and you're going to help people get their financial lives in order. And so um, we want to get and as many advisors as possible listen to this. Thanks again for being here. We'll see you in the next episode.